little uh, thing called family where it says, you know, your family's in your home or in your prison and they'll give you their kidneys while they're drinking and smoking. It's just, it's like, oh my goodness, that is, that is so, you know, family. But so the interesting thing is when you talk about family, think about this, in the world we live in, there's all kinds of families, right? We're very diverse. We've got traditional families of first marriage, husband and wife. We've got blended families who maybe are in their second marriage or third marriage or 16th marriage. We've got, um, we've got families with no kids. We've got families with a whole bunch of kids, probably too many kids. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, we've got uh, families that have, uh, are raising not their kids, but stepkids, right? We've got, I mean, I can keep going, right? We've got adopted kids. We've got foster children in our home. My middle son, Austin, has a foster little boy in his home that they're hoping to adopt. I mean, there's all kinds of different families. It's just very, very diverse. There's different definitions uh, of marriage and family now. And so as you look at this, it's interesting to think, okay, what do we have in common? And I got to tell you, this series that we're doing for the next three weeks starting today is really from a series that a guy named, maybe you've heard of him, Andy Stanley did at North Point Church in Atlanta. Uh, he called it Future Family. And I'm going to divert a little bit from what he said, but he had some really good thoughts uh, that I thought were very uh, helpful to set up this concept of family. Because here's the thing about family. If you think about it, if we don't have, you know, we have all th things that aren't in common, what do we have in common in every family? And here's one of the first things I thought of. If you're like me, you, you know this. In your family, you're the smartest person in the entire family. Am I right? There's nobody in your family as smart as you. Am I right? Come on. You know, you don't want to say that out loud, but if you go to a family gathering, you would just love to grab the mic, wouldn't you? And go, hey, if you give me 20 minutes, I can fix all this. You know, you need to get a job, and you need to stop drinking so much, and you need to start treating your... Am I right? We all have opinions on family, and we're always right, and they're always wrong, because you're the smartest person in the family. Here, here's the other thing that I thought uh, about family that we all have in common. Family is wonderful, and family is hard. And some of you can't even think family is wonderful. Maybe your experience has been really, really bad, and it's not wonderful at all. But I think every marriage, every relationship, every job, every part of life, there's parts of it that are, are, are wonderful and beautiful. There's other parts that are really, really difficult. Am I right? Think about this. Family is not neutral. Family is emotional. Think about this. The word father or dad is not a neutral word. It's emotional. You hear that word and you have emotional thoughts, good or bad, or in between. Am I right? Ann and I are speaking next weekend in Orlando at a, a Weekend to Remember Family Life, Weekend to Remember Marriage Conference. And in fact, I invite you to come. There's still some seats available. Come join us. Go to Disneyland on Disney World on Thursday and Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Work on your marriage in Orlando. Just go to familylife.com and sign up. But here's the thing. On Sunday morning at that conference, we've been doing this for 30 years, we will separate the husbands and wives from each other for the, just the morning session. And I will speak to the men about being a husband and a dad from God's viewpoint. Anne's going to speak to the women about being a wife and mom. Here's how I'll start the dad talk. Done this 30 years all over the country, and it's, it's, it's uniquely almost the same everywhere I go. I'll say, guys, think about your dad for just a minute. Just think, get a picture in your mind of your dad, okay? What's the first word that comes to your mind when you think of your dad? And then I'll say, yell it out. I think there's gonna be seven, 800 
dads at this, at this thing. And words start coming out of the audience, and they're emotional. Right? We're not going to do it today with you, but if I told you to think of your dad, you don't just think of a neutral word. Something visceral comes to your soul. It may be really good, and usually the words start, and they're good, and then somebody will be honest and say he wasn't there, or he was a drunk, or, and then, bam, they come out, and you're like, wow, this is not, family is not neutral. You think of your mom, you think of a brother, or sisters, or an uncle, or aunt, or a cousin. Seems like everybody's got Cousin Eddie in their family, right? <laughs> I mean, we all got all these things in our family. You, man, it's, it's interesting. You've heard many stories about my family. I didn't say this first service, but man, my two brothers and my sister, who I haven't talked to my sister and brother in years, because the brokenness of the family that was never really a family, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, that's where we're diving in today. It's like, okay, let's talk about that. And here's another thing that we all know, and I already said it, families are not perfect. There are no perfect families, except the Wilsons, of course, but there are no perfect families. There's none. Cody's sitting right here, so I can't say anything today. He'll just, you know, he'll, he'll correct me because he was part of that family, but it's like there are no perfect families. And, you know, it's interesting as I think, I, I don't know if I shared this uh, a few weeks ago. I shared it in one service, but when Ann and I had our first son, CJ, which didn't go so well. We were at a, ho uh, a hotel. We were at a hospital in Mount Clemens where we lived at the time. And uh, the doctor said, or the nurse said, oh, she's not even close. You can go away for a little bit, Dad, because I'm like, I really got to go to the bathroom. So I run to the bathroom, and I ended up like, I'm going to read Sports Illustrated while I'm in here. Anyway, you get the picture. And next thing I know, they're like, where's the dad? Where's the dad? She's, and I'm like, going running down the hall, and she delivers CJ very quickly, and they rush into the ICU because it was a traumatic birth. And then as we were walking out of the hospital, uh, I looked down, uh, you know, the next day or something, I looked down, Ann's got her underwear tied to her heel of her, of her shoe. She didn't know, somehow picked it up. She's walking around the hospital. I'm like, uh, honey, this is a little embarrassing. Families aren't perfect, all right? In fact, you want to hear something I just thought of last service is like the first uh, uh, middle school retreat that my oldest son went to, right? Pastor's son going away to a, a Kensington middle school retreat. A woman, a mom threatened to sue the church about something my son did on that retreat. And I have another son who will remain unnamed but went on a, on a middle school retreat and got in a fight and they were gonna sue the church for this other son too. I don't know who he was. <laughs> but, and the first one is, what? Yeah, the pastor, see, look, he said, the pastor's kids get blamed for everything. Oh, so it wasn't your fault, right? Okay, he's innocent. But I'll tell you what, I saw one of the guys that came in this morning. He's in here somewhere. I won't say his name, but he led the small group of my oldest son. And here's how this one went down. I won't get into details. But somehow, the mom wanted to sue Kensington because it had something to do with a smoke bomb being thrown in her daughter's girl's cabin. And they thought it was Vietnam, and they started running into walls. And the, the leader of that small group, who's an attorney... Where are you, dude? He, somehow I heard that he sort of initiated the whole thing. He's sitting here. That's, that's our small group leader. Am I right? You can deny it if you want. He doesn't even want to say it out loud because then you'll know who he is. But anyway, 
Families aren't perfect. Yours aren't, my aren't. You do embarrassing things. We've heard many embarrassing stories. And so here's all we want to do today. It's like, it's like we want to look at what God's dream for the family was. Because I don't know about you, but the family I grew up in, single mom, dad gone, really didn't know him, shows everyone. I can remember laying, lying in bed in middle school. I remember, you talk about visceral. I can remember it like yesterday, lying in bed and thinking, why can't I be in Mark Davis's family? You ever had that family? He was one of my best friends. He lived just down the block. His dad had money. His mom, was, they had a marriage. They had three brothers. They'd take me on little trips to their little uh, up north little cabin. It had mini bikes and four-wheelers, and we lit off dynamite, and they ate cereal for dinner, and they walked around in pajamas all the time, and they were fun, and I had nobody, just my mom. And my little brother died, and I can remember... Laying on the ceiling, looking, laying on bed, looking at the ceiling, and say, God, why do I have this family and Mark's got that family? Some of you felt that. And so here's what we're going to look at for this series. What is God's dream for the family? And so what's really interesting, I don't know if you've ever done this, you go to the Bible, you pick it up, and you say, okay, what is family like in the Bible? Let's look at families in the Bible to get a vision for what God wants the family to be. Have you ever done this? I didn't know this. I thought all the families in the Bible were perfect because everybody in the Bible is perfect. And so I'm just going to go, do this. And I'll give you a quick, very quick, but you should do this on your own. The families in the Bible are, you talk about imperfect. I don't know if there's a good one anywhere, maybe one. I mean, the first family, who was it? Adam, Eve, right? Husband, wife. How'd that one go? Adam chose Eve over God. And as John Eldridge says, he says, man chose woman, Adam chose a woman over God, and men has been doing it ever since. It's true. Their sons, first homicide in the Bible. Four chapters in, you've got a murder from the first family's kids. Oh, that's going really well, right? You get to the patriarch, Abraham, we talked about last week. What's he do? Hey, honey, lie. Because if they think you're my wife, they're going to kill me. So say you're my sister. Okay, that's going really well. Again, I could do this all day. You go all the way through the Old Testament. It is scary. The first civil war in history is who? Father, son, David Absalom, civil war. Thousands of people are killed because a father and son can't get along. And if you read the story, you're like, we could have stopped this. But that's family imploding. It's crazy. I mean, I, I'm just talking about, and I'm not even scratching the surface. Just go through all these things. You're like, wow, I don't think that was God's dream. Men had several wives and concubines. Like, that was never God's plan. Nope, it wasn't. And yet man did this. And so you don't sort of want to look there. So then you're like, okay, it's better in the New Testament, right? So you go to the New Testament and look at Jesus' family. Think about this one. They lose him at the temple for three days. If you did that today, you'd be thrown in jail. You don't even know where your son is for three days. Can you imagine to walk around, hey, honey, do you, do you see Jesus? No, I thought you had him. I don't have him. Well, you know, do the find his iPhone. We got to find him somewhere, right? They lose him for three days. Where were you? I was in my father's house. What? You know, that's, that's the, the premier family. It's unbelievable. But here's what I want to look at real quick. And I'm, and I'm taking too much time, but I want to just give you a flyby real quick of what God says about the family in terms of the, the ideal. Because if you read the New Testament, this is where you get God's vision for the family. And I'm going to read you just a couple verses you bounce around. And many of you will hear this and go, man, that is so old school. That is like you know, a hundred years ago. Let me tell you something. In that culture, when this was written, this was revolutionary thinking. Why? Because women were nothing but property. 
Children were not even kept unless they could give them some kind of legacy. So they had no value. And Jesus walks in. I've said this many times. He elevates women to the same status as men. This was a male-dominated culture where women had... Jesus elevates them. And then as you go through the rest of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes much. Peter writes much about marriage and family. And he elevates children. And he elevates women, and he says, this is what God's dream for the family is. And again, you're going to think this is very old school, and yet in that time, this was like brand new thinking. Here we'll go to Ephesians 6, and we'll start with children first. Ephesians 6 says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, here's what I know just happened in the room. All the parents were like, yes, yes, you hear that, son? You hear that? You can go home right now. You don't want to hear the rest. But that's what it says. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And it says, look at this. Honor your father and mother. Where's that come from? Anybody know? One of the big 10, one of the 10 commandments, which is the first commandment with a promise. Anybody know what the promise is? The promise is, if you honor your father and mother, you will live a long life. He connects honoring your parents with a good life. Think about that one, because all the parents right here are like, yeah, I want my kids to hear that. They need to obey me. Let me ask you a question. Parents, have you and are you honoring your parents? Because trust me on this one, they're going to copy more what you do than what you say or even what the Bible says. How are you doing with that one? That's just one perspective of like, here's what it would look like from God's dream for the family. There'd be a sense of honor to parents and back to children and, and beyond. Okay, you jump down to another book, book of Colossians, where Paul is writing, wives, you're going to love this one. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And all the men went, yes, baby, preach it, guy. Submit yourselves to your husbands. Now, I know what you guys all just did. Most of the guys in this room love that verse, and it's the only verse in the whole Bible they even know. They don't know that the Bible also says in other places that husbands should submit to their wives and there should be a mutual thing going on. It's a serving attitude. But it does say, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting the Lord. And then it goes right to husbands. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And some wives just elbowed their harsh husband who was harsh with them this morning. But it says, husbands, love them and do not be harsh with them. Now, by the way, again, let me just clue you in. That's revolutionary thinking to them. They're like, What? I'm supposed to love my wife? She's just my wife. She's just a piece of property. I've got a wife. I've got kids. They're here to serve me. God is changing the whole paradigm. Like, no, no, no. Let me give you a vision of what my dream for the family is. There's honor going back and forth with obedience to one another. There's submission to one another. And there's love and not harshness with your wife and your children. And then he goes on to say, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Again, raising the value of children. This was revolutionary in that time. And so it gives you a picture. And then the last one, 1 Peter. Wives, you'll love this. It says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Again, new thinking. Changing an entire culture. You and I, we've heard these things. Why? It should be our culture now. But where did this start? This started with God's design for marriage. And you hear people say that God's design for marriage is outdated. No, 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 no. It is the bar has been raised to, this is the ideal. So I just put these all on one side. It's like, here's a summary of what we just read from the New Testament for the different areas of a family. Husbands, here's what we're called to do. Love your wives and be considerate, not harsh. How you doing? 
Wives, submit to your husbands. How you doing? Children, obey and honor your, obey, excuse me, honor and obey your parents. And fathers, don't irritate your children. There it is. You can take a picture of that and say, there's the ideal. That's the ideal family from God's perspective. So here's the question. How you doing on that? Here's how you're doing. Here's the ideal. Here's us. Well, here's me, but here's you. No, I'm kidding. Here's us. The real doesn't match the ideal. Now, here's what's really interesting. What does God say to us who are not reaching that, who are struggling with that? Because nobody here does all of that perfectly. We don't live the ideal. We live in this reality of the real, and there's a gap. Now, listen to this. What does Jesus say about that gap? You know what he says? When you don't reach the ideal, you know what he says? I forgive you, and I'm going to die for that. That's what he says. He doesn't change the ideal or lower the ideal. He keeps the ideal right here. He doesn't redefine marriage to be what the culture wants it to be. He says, no, this is God's design for marriage and family. You're never going to hit it, but that gap I died for. I love you anyway. I take care of that. I forgive you. Now, I will, and it's just what we just sang. I will show you who I am. I will fill you with me if you believe, and I'll give you the power to start living closer to the ideal than the real. You understand what I'm saying? That's the beauty and the power of the gospel, and that's what happens when we invite Christ in our life. He says, okay, you're never going to hit my ideal, and I'm not going to lower it to your culture. It's still the ideal, but I'll give you power to live closer to that. You understand that? That's the beauty of giving your life to Christ, and that's what happens. A family of faith should look different than a family without. Why? Because there's a power source available when we plug into Christ that gives us the ability to get closer to the ideal. So here's the thing. As I thought about that, and, he, and actually, those were sort of the thoughts from Andy Stanley that kicked off that series. Then he went this whole other place, and I'm like, okay, that's great for North Point. I want to talk to Orion, and I want to talk to Kensington about what do you do with this? And here's what I feel God gave me, one word. Say, like, okay, if we're not going to be able to reach the ideal, and we got to live in reality, what do we do? How do we live this? I'm just going to give you one word that I hope is a word that permeates the atmosphere of your home. And you may be empty nesters like me. It doesn't matter. Permeates your family structure, whatever structure that is. One word. you know what it is? People are yelling out in the first service, grace. And it sort of is grace. But here's the word I, that came to me this week, honor. I probably first saw it when I was studying Ephesians 6 about honor your mother and father. But it's the word honor. And I'll never forget, years ago, back in the VHS days, when we watched the tape, Ann and I, she was here at first service, we watched the tape of a guy named Gary Smalley, he wrote a book called The Blessing, and he was talking about this word honor, and I'd never heard this before, so I looked it up and studied the Hebrew, and the word in the Old Testament for honor, and actually the word for uh, bless and honor, comes from a root that means to bow, or to bend the knee, and I love, uh, you know, Hebrew and the Jewish culture is, is so very visual, when we were in Israel last year, it's like every word, every, every ceremony had such a visual thing. It's so beautiful. And they're really into, just beyond words, the, the posture thing. So think about this. The word honor, or excuse me, the word bless, when you bless someone or you show them honor, it, it, it literally is this. You bend or bow the knee. Now, in our culture, we don't do that. We don't live in a culture that if somebody walks in, you go, you know, showing them honor by getting low and bowing to them. But there are cultures that still do that, right? 
And, and it's a beautiful picture because to bless someone, here's what happens. When you bend the knee to someone, you are saying by your posture, what? I am in the presence of someone extremely valuable. They're valuable. Honor, they are weighty. That's what the word honor comes from, the word weighty. In fact, you add value to their life by honoring them, blessing them by your posture. And again, we're not gonna literally bow, but it's a great image to say, man, when you're in the presence of somebody really valuable, valued, you bless them and you honor them. It's like, I'm gonna show you value and add weight to who you are. Now think about that. We still have some of this in our culture. How does a man propose to a woman on his engagement day? This is what they do. Do you ever ask why? This is what they're doing. They're saying by their posture, you are extremely valuable. I am saying you're the most important woman in my life. I would like you to be my wife forever. It's a value, a posture. And by the way, some of your wives are like, you can just stay there and do this your whole marriage, the rest of your life. Wouldn't it be good because it's like we do that one day and then it goes away? No, no, no. It's a daily family, uh, uh, you know, belief that I am in the presence of a mom or a wife or a dad or a son or a brother who is extremely valuable. Now, we're never going to do this, but we can show honor by placing value on them by the way we treat them, we serve them, we honor them. And think about this word honor. Think about this. You don't even have to like someone to honor them. Because some of you are like, I'm not going to honor I don't even like him. You don't have to. We honor positions. When a judge walks in the courtroom, they say, please stand for the honorable judge. What's that all about? I don't even know that judge. I don't know if I like that judge. doesn't matter. They have a position of honor. We stand. Other cultures kneel. I don't know if you saw, saw what happened when Trump went to the UK this past week. There was this going on. Do you think they like Trump? Probably not. But what were they doing? They're showing honor because of his position. Think about that in your family. I don't necessarily have to agree or even love or even like all the people in this room, but I am going to show them honor because of their value. Think what that would mean. You know what we just did for the first 15 minutes when you walked in today? We honored God with our posture by singing. Some people did this. And some of you went, what are they doing? The same thing a lot of you do when you go to a concert. You ever watch, just pop on any great artist, put them on YouTube and watch people worshiping at their concert. Hands are raised. People are singing their songs out and we think it's weird to do at church. They're praising and honoring a, a human artist for a song they like and yet we go to church and people raise their hands like, that's weird. No, 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 what they're doing is in a sense they're doing this. Some people even get on their knees sometimes during worship. Is that weird? No, it's beautiful. It's like, oh my goodness, their full body is like, there's one. Now think about this. I'll never forget Gary Smalley saying this. He says, when you honor somebody that's really valuable, he says, not only do you sort of bend the knee, and again, not literally, but you bend the knee in your reverence for them, but your jaw drops. Because when somebody's really valuable walks in front of you, you go, oh, you ever done that? Oh, look. You know, if some pro athlete walked in here or somebody that you really respect as an as a artist, a musician, or a movie star, which is crazy that we honor these people. It's just crazy we do that, and yet we don't honor God. But they walk in here, and you people, oh, 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 o
It's like, that's what we do. What would happen? You get this? What would happen if the people in your home, your sons, your daughters, your spouse, your parents, your grandparents, your neighbors felt, they're like, I don't even know what happens, but when I'm in their home, I feel so loved, so like they, they respect me. They don't even know how to explain it, but they're feeling honored, blessed by us because we're doing this in a sense in our life. That's what I hope the homes of Orion become, homes of honor. Now, here's all I wanna talk about, and I'm, I gotta do this very quickly. And believe me, last service, Ann was here, so I made her come up and do this with me. Too bad for you, she's not here. But I'll tell you what she said, okay? Because here's what we try to do in our home. And I'm just saying, this is the Wilson home. I'm not saying, Cody's right here. He can tell you, we did not do this perfectly or sometimes we didn't even come close. But our, our, our goal was, and you gotta have a goal for your home. And some of you are young parents with young kids and some of you are like me, yes, and yes, you got to know what is it we're trying to do in our home. And I'm saying this, what if you build a home, a family around honor? Three areas, and you know where we're gonna go. First priority in our family that we tried to instill in our legacy, which we're gonna talk about in two weeks, legacy, big word. First priority is honor who? Honor God. Second priority, honor one another in the family. Third priority, honor your neighbors. That's it. That's, that was our, our whole goal. And it was something we had to think about every week. Think about this. If you're a parent and you just had a baby, I don't know if you've ever studied this, but from zero birth to age 18, you know how many weeks you got? 18 years, you've got 936 weeks. I would challenge you to do what we try to do. Break it into weeks. And trust me on this. They're gonna be gone like that. I know you don't think that if you're a young parent because I'd hear older parents tell me that like, no, they're not. They're never leaving. There's snot. There's poop. There's stiff all over. They're, they're, they're. You're gonna blink and they're gonna be gone. So you've got 936 weeks. What if you decide to say, I'm gonna break these into weeks and have a plan for each week to help my son or daughter honor God as we do. And let me just say this before I talk about some routines, and this is really important. Your kids, parents, are gonna catch your faith more than they're gonna get your faith. In other words, faith is caught more than taught. If it isn't real in you, it probably has a hard time getting real in them. If they hear you talk, if they hear you talking about they should have a walk with God, they should be a man or woman of the word, they should do this, and they never see mom and dad do this, it's empty words. They're gonna follow the way you walk, not the way you point. You hear me? If it's not an overflow, I'll tell you what, one of the fascinating studies of youth ministry is these kids come to our youth groups, they get fired up, they go on retreats, the ones that the faith sticks with them into adulthood, guess what? Of all the things like what works, what works, you know what works. That's why Ann and I are so passionate about family is when they go home to a family that is living out the things they heard when they were at church, those stick. When they go home to a family that doesn't see any of that, it often doesn't stick. So if you're gonna ask or try and model in your family to honor God, I'm telling you, I'm not shaming you, I'm just saying, what about you honoring God? Have they ever seen you, like caught you in a private moment in the word of God? Have they ever opened the door and you're in your office and you're on your knees with your hands up in the air screaming what the songs we just sang, do they ever catch that? Like, wow, it's real, or is it just words? And so what we try to do, and again, Ann was here last service just walking through and I don't have time, but we try to create routines Schedule routines that fit into these weeks that we have 
with our three sons at the time. And it was basically, you know, I wrote them down. There's books written on this, and we just tried to, tried to live this out. But one of the routines was create routines where you can seize the mealtime. So when you're sitting down at dinner, at a mealtime, seize that moment. Create something. I remember one of the things Ann did, Cody could tell you this better than I could, but she'd say, okay, boys, let's talk about your day. You got to talk about your day with a feeling word. They're like, What? What do you mean a feeling word? I'm like, what do you mean a feeling word? She's like trying to draw emotions out. That was season moments about their life and about God at mealtime. Mealtime is a critical time. By the way, the studies that I've seen, it's really, University of Michigan did one years ago that said, if you want uh, your child to turn out like this kind of a, a stable adult, what is the key denominator that gets the kind of adults you want? You know what it was? Four mealtimes a week together as a family. What? It wasn't their education? Nope. Wasn't the sports they were in? Nope. It was, do you ever sit down as a family and say, this matters more than all this other stuff that the culture is saying, you got to do this, you got to do this. Are you sitting down as a family and talking about each other and talking about your relationship with God? How about this? You got to seize bedtime. Seize bedtime. Laying in bed with your kids, reading Bible stories, listening to Bible stories, talking about the Word of God, talking about your struggles in life when they're little toddlers and when they're older. And some of you don't know this, but when we started Kensington... 1990, that was Anne and my 10-year anniversary. You guys know about the 10-year, right? If you read Vertical Marriage, chapter one and two are about the 10-year anniversary, 1990, when she said, I've lost my feelings for you. That's the year we started Kensington. And so I realized she is not getting my time. And I have three little boys at home and I'm not there at night when she's putting them to bed, seizing bedtime to pray with them and read scripture with them. I'm gone and here's the thing, Steve Andrews was in trouble in his marriage as well, and we're starting this church, so both of us asked our wives, if you could pick morning or evening, when do you need us here the most? They both said evening. And so we stood in front of Kensington, a small church at the time, and we both said, hey, we need to be home with our families at night, putting our little boys to bed and helping our wives. If you want to meet with us, we're not going to be available to you in the evening, only in the mornings. 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., schedule appointments, we'll meet with you, but not in the evening. Let me tell you something. We thought the church would go, way to go. That's, that's modeling for us priorities. The church got mad. You're our pastors. What are you talking about? I, I, I work all day. I need to meet with you. I can only meet you in the evening. Sorry, I'm going to meet with my disciples. That didn't go well. But I can tell you, 29 years later, it was worth it being there when he was three and four and five. And he probably doesn't remember it, but I do. And I blinked, and now I have a legacy. And again, not perfectly, but I remember Austin, uh, my middle son, right before his wedding night, spent his last night in our house, and we got on our knees in, in, right in front of his bed, and Ann said to him, Austin, what are you going to miss most as you get married? And he didn't even blink. He goes this, praying every night with you guys when he was four, five, 15, 18. It's so critical to honor God and create an atmosphere of bending the knee and showing value to the most important person ever. And again, if you're not doing it, it's gonna be hard for them to catch it. It's simply an overflow. I mean, I have all kinds of things in here. You know, leverage your drive time. Ann was just the best. They're driving to school and she's praying out loud. They should hear you praying. Like, here's how it looks like to talk with God. That, get, that gets caught. I mean, one of the other things I wrote down is, man, you need to intentionally choose a date night. You think I gotta be with my kids all the time? No, you don't. One of the best things you can do is hand your kids, you listen to me, Jenna and, and Cody, hand your kids to your grandparents and go out on a date. 
You need to pour in. How many times have we said that to you guys already? There are young parents who said, give us, give us Bryce. Go away for two or three hours. And it's hard for young parents to do that. It's like, this is my pride and joy is my precious. I'm not going to give it to a bald guy who, you know, they don't think can do anything. We've raised a few. We know what we're doing. So it's like, get somebody. Get out. You're saying to your kids, date and marriage is really important. What are you doing? You're honoring your marriage. <gasps> it's very valuable. Your mom is really valuable. She's actually more valuable than you because when you guys leave, she'll still be here. And so I'm going to honor her first, second to God. So that's the whole first point. Okay, second point. How are we doing? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay, second one. So you honor God first. Secondly is what? You remember what I said? Each other. You honor one another in the family. And all I mean by this is simply this. Susan, where are you going? Okay, you're coming back because we got to do something at the end, right? You'll be here? All right. Am I honoring her right now? I just sort of yelled at her. Sorry. I didn't mean that. She's amazing. She's, okay, here's what I do. Honor each other. And I'm talking specifically in home. And here's, it's a simple point. Here's the thing. When your kids, when your extended family, maybe your stepkids walk in your home, what do they feel? Do they feel they're valued? Because I'll tell you something. Everywhere else they go, they're told they're not valued. People are chopping them down at school. Why? Because they want to feel significant. So it makes them feel significant to cut them down. Where in their world do they walk in a place and the second as their foot goes in the door, they feel like, I'm so glad I'm here because here they appreciate me. They see me. They respect me. They love me. Is that the atmosphere of your home? And one of the ways we try to really do that is through our tongue. What are we saying to our boys? What are we saying to them? Let me tell you, every parent should know this. Your boys... Need to know what? They have what it takes. It's at the core of their DNA. Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? Everywhere they go, probably they're being told no. Are they hearing from mom and dad or mom or dad or stepmom or whoever? Are they hearing, you got what it takes, son? I see greatness in you. You've got it. Girls need to know what? They're loved and cherished as they are. You hear me? As they are, not if they this beauty, or hit this intellectual. No, 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 just as you are. Why, you're made in the image of God. You're a Wilson. You are valued. They should feel this every day. Like mom and dad, they honor each other. Brother and sister, we had, we had rules in our home. You're not allowed to use names. You're not allowed to talk down to one another. Now, we didn't do that perfectly, but that was the standards. Like, that isn't allowed. The tongue is very important. We try to teach and, and model, show honor to one another. Ann said last service, I forgot this one time, uh, CJ, our oldest son, was talking about a buddy of his, and Ann made this comment. She goes, oh, so he's one of those bad kids who smokes pot? My oldest son is so insightful. I think he was like 16. He goes, oh, so he's a bad kid, mom, because he smokes pot? And she's like, oh, no, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> he goes, actually, he's a really good kid, mom, but he's just trying to find his way. And it just reminded her, show honor to all people, no matter what struggle they may be going through, but especially your own children? Do they feel honored in their own home? Now, I know some of you are like, yeah, but I got to speak the truth. I got to tell them how they've missed it. And yes, you do. 
Yes, you do. That's an important part of being an adult and a parent. You have to honor them by speaking the truth at times. But let me tell you something, and you know this. If you're always speaking negative, 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 and then you bring another negative, it doesn't land. But if you're speaking truth, I mean, excuse me, positive, life, affirmation, respect, because you're seeing stuff in them. Nobody's saying to them, you're great, you're great, you're amazing, you got an amazing future. I love you, I see you, I cherish you. And then you bring truth, they will receive it much better if you're never doing it. You hear me? That's what honor looks like. They feel this almost all the time. <gasps> You're awesome. You're incredible. I can tell you story after story of my wife doing that with these guys. And, I, and I'm thinking they're remembering this like honor, honor, honor. Okay, so first one, honor God. Second one, honor each other. And final, honor your neighbor. What's that mean? It's really big picture. I don't have time to develop this, a whole other series. But God didn't institute your family just for you to be self-focused and be all about you. He instituted your family. Here's the big picture. Your family is a vehicle God instituted to take the gospel through you and your legacy and your generations to the world. You get it? It's much bigger than you. It's not even about you. It's about you impacting the world through what God does through the parents. We're a first-generation Christian family. My parents weren't Christians and we're the, we're the starters of a new, gener, a new legacy, and here's the next generation, and they got to continue. That's God's design, is to have children that are not just children, but godly legacy to impact the world. So as I finish this up, think about this. It's not about you. It's about us impacting the world. What's that make you think of? Our time, our talents, our treasures are just for us, so let's take the offering. <laughs> it's really true. It's like, why do we give? Because our money's not just for us. Now, money's great, and it's awesome, and wonderful, and God blesses us. What's he want to do? He wants to be a blessing through us to impact the world. So even the annual vote that you just voted on, you give to, that doesn't just stay here. It blesses the world. It honors the world. It says to other people, you are valuable, and God's blessed us, so we want to bless you. So thank you for that. If you're new, and uh, you're like, man, I want to get in on that, it's so simple. You can do it digitally, and we have new givers uh, sign up every week, and it's beautiful. But let me just close with this, because... The beauty of the family, and again, it is so hard and so messed up. And sometimes some of you are sitting here like, man, you're, you've been so hurt by your family that you can't even think about how you would honor your family. A woman came up to me right at the front door in between uh, after the first service. And she said, I just got to say this to you. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh, no. You know, when they say it like that, it's like, here comes a critique. And she goes, 12 years ago, you shared a message about family. And it had some of the similar idea of honoring your family. And she said, I was sitting there thinking, I have grown up in the worst family ever. She's in tears saying to me, every day of my life, my dad said, you're no good. Every day. And you're up there saying, you need to honor your family. She says, you made one comment I've never forgotten. And I think it saved my life. I go, what did I say? She goes, she said, one of the ways you can honor a family that's been really difficult is you need to choose to forgive that family. And she goes, that day I said, okay, I'm going to start that journey. And she has since forgiven. And she goes, it freed me from the past to the present and now as a mom to a new legacy. So some of you, that might be the way to start, the way to bend the knee. And again, you can't do this without the power of God is to ask God, God, give me, the, give me the power to honor somebody that doesn't deserve it. You don't love them. You don't even like them. It doesn't matter. Honor is, I'm gonna honor them and break free to a new future. And again, 
it doesn't just stay here. I honor God, we honor each other. No, then it goes, I honor my neighbor. I honor my coworker. I honor whoever God puts me around this week to be a blessing. Can you imagine? Think of this. What would it be like if the people in your neighborhood wanted to be in your house? They don't even know why, but every time they're there, they, they get in the car, or they walk across their yard back to their house, and they're like, I don't know what it is about the Wilsons, but I feel so loved there. Let's go better tomorrow night. I know what it is, and I'm not using my family that way, but it's like they feel valued because <gasps> people are going, what would it be like if that's what our community was? What would it be like if people wanted to be at this place, this church, this campus, because they feel loved and honored here because we are one big dysfunctional, but one big family, right, for God. And so as we talk about being a family on mission, we're going to end the day with celebrating and commissioning one of our families that's going on mission. Come on up, Susan. Um, Joshua Korn and Laura and Wesley and James, if you were here last week, you know that Joshua, our worship arts director here, has just accepted a position at Resonate Church uh, near San Francisco. And so this is their last Sunday at Kensington Orion. So it's a bittersweet day for us uh, to say goodbye to them. Um, but at the same time, they're, they're going on mission as not just these two who are amazing, but these two are even more amazing. <laughs> he's even got Black Panther with him. And look at this. They were out this. They, they, they haven't even moved yet. And he's already got Golden State Warriors socks, <laughs> you know, which I hope they win tomorrow night, baby. I hope they do. We'll see what happens. So you got a hat? You got a hat too? All right, tell us a little bit. What's going on? I know you're there all week. Yeah, I went there this week looking for places to live, which if you know anything about the Bay Area is pretty stupid. Um, <laughs> What's that mean, expensive? It's crazy expensive. Like really, not a lot of people own homes because the rent is so high. Um, but we were freaking out. I was freaking out because I went by myself. I didn't have my wife with me to, to talk me off the ledge. Um, but I really, it was a sweet moment because I really had to rely on the Lord. I felt like the Lord was saying, I have been a trailblazer for you. I've been leading the path for you and your family in so many ways and providing. And he did provide. So we actually um, found an awesome deal in a house um, with somebody who just wanted to bless somebody in ministry, actually. They're getting ready to move and felt like the Lord had something for someone uh, who was just trying to bring the gospel into the area. And so we're, we're connecting with them tonight to just go over the details and stuff. But the Lord, like, overly provided, which has been confirmed. So they didn't give you a house. Confirmed. Are... Pretty much in a way. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. No. Yeah. yeah. No, they're just, they're just giving us a killer deal. And it's area, really big, so. so you can come out anytime you want, just show up. Anytime you want. <laughs> no, it is interesting. I mean, that house out there is millions of dollars, and it's 1,600 square feet. Yeah, it's small. It's Nothing's crazy. great out there. Yeah. Nothing's fancy out there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you're taking these two guys. Yes, we're taking them. Which is a, you're taking them? Yeah. You can leave them here. You guys we want to stay them. here? We want them. No? You don't want to stay here? You're scaring him, Dave. Yeah, I am scaring him. <laughs> I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm honoring. You're an amazing young man, Wes. You're an amazing young man, James. I mean that. They really are. You guys are creating quite a legacy. Um, and so we're going to pray for them. And I'd like you all to stand up. This will be a family moment. Uh, we're going to dismiss you after this moment. That's how we're going to end the day. But um, Susan Wells, many of you know our campus director. She's out there in the lobby uh, every weekend greeting you. And again, if you want to join us after for Discovering Kensington, like, man, I like this place. I might want to fit in. Join us at noon and we'll do it. But Susan, let's pray for you guys. Put your hand out toward them. We're going to ask for God's blessing over their, their future. Father God, we just, we thank you so much, Lord, for this family. We thank you, God, for the passion that you've given them to model your love and your truth, Lord. And we ask, Father God, that you go before them as they make this huge move. 
And Lord, we know that you have. We ask for great friendships. We ask for opportunity for James and Wes to impact, Lord, uh, families that they meet, Father God. We thank you in advance, Lord, for all that you will do in and through them to impact your kingdom. God, it's been just a pleasure, and we are so grateful. And we thank you, Lord, for how good you've been. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Yeah, we're going to miss them, uh, but they're still family. Whether they live here or live there, they're part of us. We're part of them. That's forever, forever. And maybe they'll come back to where it's reasonable to live. So anyway, um, <laughs> if you need somebody to pray with you, our prayer team's always up here at front at the end of the service. We'd love to have you come up. And then next week is week two of the series, but more importantly, it's, come on, baby, it's Father's Day. So it's going to be a great weekend to honor fathers as we talk about this whole thing called family. God bless you. See you next week.